Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a few short years ago, best ball kind of started. This new era of best ball with underdog and DraftKings and drafters kicked off with a, a measly tournament with $200,000 to first place. I joke, obviously, who doesn't want $200,000? But now, just a few short years later, millions and millions and millions of dollars going out across Tournaments, sites, sports, different formats. Everything in best ball has totally exploded. So how did we get here? What does this mean for us as players, as creators, as people invested? Best ball sickos, if you will. And what do we have to look forward to? What does the future of this space look like in terms of contests and content and our competition and how we win and strategy. That's what we're going to cover today. The future of best ball. Let's do it. It's funny, you know, everybody in this entire, really in like all of fantasy sports, particularly fantasy football, has like acknowledged this idea that best ball is just, I mean, it's madness. It's absolute madness. The growth that we've seen over these last few years is even as someone as I would consider myself one of, if not the most bullish person, like almost on the planet in terms of best ball, I guess maybe other than the people who started underdog, you know, the, the original underdog people. I consider myself to be one of the most bullish people on this entire space. It's the reason why this here website, well, not YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube or not, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on the podcast feed, but why Spike Week and SpikeWeek.com exist at all was because three years ago, I believed that this whole space was going to blow up. And even I really cannot believe, I, I bet if you gave people at Underdog Truth Serum, they would tell you they can't believe how how quickly everything has gotten to this level. I'm sure they were confident in the, in the success as they should have been, but I, I don't think anyone can really quite grasp just how much this entire space has blown up. But we all say it and we all talk about it, but I don't know that we ever really take the time to think about like, what does this mean? Where is this space headed? We just keep expecting, you know, kind of it's a bull market, if you will, right? This is the peak of NBA top shot days. We just keep thinking it's going to keep going up and it's going to keep going up. The prizes are going to get bigger. The tournaments are going to get bigger and it doesn't really work that way. And so 
given that it is the beginning of March, the NFL combine is going on. There's not a lot, you know, we have some, we have some baseball, best ball to draft, obviously some, some very early NFL drafts, a little golf, right? There's things for us to do in best ball, but this is a little bit of the downtime of the year. And I think it's fun to think through and talk about what is even going on in this crazy sicko space, right? If you're drafting fantasy football teams in March, you're pretty clearly a devoted best ball player. So what does that all like even mean? How can we as players maybe make this whole space better, but also what does it all mean for us, right? At the end of the day, we're in this, of course, because we enjoy it. You don't play this particular game with the amount of time it takes with the <laughs> drafting fantasy football teams in February and March and not getting paid out for a calendar year. You don't do that unless you love it. You really enjoy drafting. But also, we're we're all in this to make money, right? The whole point of playing this is, I mean, there's $200,000 up for grabs. That's just first place, right? A million dollars up for grabs in the big board on underdog right now already. We're all trying to we're all trying to get our piece of that million dollars. That's the whole point. So how does it kind of the explosion of all of this change anything for us? How do we maybe go about winning this, right? We've seen this over the course of kind of every speculative industry, every, to be frank, every gambling in industry, particularly every peer-to-peer, which is what this is, right? I'm playing against you. We're all playing against hundreds of thousands of other people, thousands for sure of other people, tens of thousands. <clears throat> it's peer-to-peer. There's an evolution kind of life cycle that just happens in these spaces, both from a competition level, right, expected value level, but also formats and payout structures and all these different things last year we saw in uh, best ball mania on underdog them uh try to reward the individual who won the regular season top scoring prize um and i love that they're willing to experiment with those kinds of things i wish they would not have done that particular one um but i definitely like the where the you know where the thought process came from on that and so what is like all these things are going to change where it feels if you've been drafted maybe maybe you're just getting into best ball so it's a little bit different for you but if you're again one of the sickos like me and some of the people here at spike week you've been drafting best ball teams like crazy for probably multiple years now it feels like we're further along probably to you and myself than we really are in this space. We are in the infant stages still. It just so happened that it blew up really fast over the course of really kind of like a year and a half. It went from, okay, this is cool. So holy shit, this is huge, <laughs> which is pretty much what has happened. But we're still to quote the crypto bros. We're still so early, Right. And there's going to be so much change over the course of uh, this year or and over the course of the multiple years to come. So really quickly, now that I we get through kind of an intro, I'm going to talk a few different bullet points from my perspective 
If you guys have thoughts, ideas, questions, comments, feedbacks, you have something that you are looking for in the best ball space, you have something you're concerned about, you have something you would like to see or not like to see, you have something from Spike Week. Maybe you use the tools. Maybe you're interested in the tools. Maybe you're, there's something you would like to have as a player, something you dislike about uh, uh, Spike Week. Any, it is all free game. Um, this, is, this is here for all of us to kind of chat through the future of best ball. But I'll kind of start with a few different things that I think have been at the top of my mind and are probably largely the most relevant to this discussion and mark i see your question i promise i'll get to it in just in just a little bit on one of these bullet points so we kind of talked through a little bit of best ball past and present you know so it's funny best ball has really been around for a long time in terms of like uh MFL 10s was, was, I believe, pretty much the originator of best ball in terms of uh, any sport, but in terms of fantasy football. You know, so you would, for $10, you would draft against your 11 other people. But it was like that. It was, it was really just pretty much a home league, except best ball format, right? So you didn't set your, you didn't do any of the in-season management or any of that, which is one of the huge perks of of best ball that was that started a long long time ago unfortunately for them they did not think about the uh tournament aspect of things which is ultimately where all of this you know really i don't want to say you know that they they didn't miss the mark what they created in terms of fantasy football best ball contests totally hit the mark but the the really big appeal to most people is the potential to win a bunch of money right? Again, we're here to make money. I don't love putting $10 in to make, hopefully, like the absolute best case scenario is making 70 bucks or whatever for the time that it takes and how long I have to let my money sit there for. The ability to win millions, hundreds of thousands, changes the equation a little bit. But best ball has been around for a long time. And then even before this new wave with underdog and DraftKings and Drafters, we had draft, play draft. It was always it was always difficult. I just call it draft. It was always difficult to figure out exactly what to call it. But draft, draft, was it draft.com? And then they it was play draft on something else. Anyway, draft. Same people who started underdog started draft. And I remember just degening out on those drafts back in the day. And it was it was kind of like year one of underdog similar sizing contests you know the biggest contest you could make six figures 200 grand or something like that if i recall correctly it was tons tons of fun kind of got us into this whole tournament best ball specifically fantasy football space they got acquired by fanduel drafted and uh, FanDuel just shut them down <laughs> and did nothing um, with the product. Obviously, I don't have all the details because I was not involved in the acquisition and I was not you know, working at FanDuel or anything. So uh, the underdog folks who maybe are still around that were, went through that 
would know a lot better than I. But from our outsider perspective, you know, FanDuel purchased this company and this product and um, really did nothing with it. And so drafting what is now present best ball kind of went away for a year or two, a couple of years. <clears throat> and then underdog comes back. The team that built draft comes back and builds underdog. And we start with, again, you know, um, I believe they said it on our good friends at Ship Chasing said it the other day that the very first best ball mania, best ball mania one, the keynote, if you will, the keynote speaker of season one of Underdog Fantasy, their main tournament, biggest tournament of the year, was the size of the big board that is currently available right now in March. $200,000 to first place, a million-dollar prize pool. And that was great. That was awesome. We were all very excited. Shout-out to Justin Herzig from Establish the Run, who won that tournament. Should have used her one time a couple of years later and won Best Ball Mania 3 or 4. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You can't complain about two hundred grand. But it is a great indicator of where we're at now from the past to the present that the biggest tournament of the year on underdog three years ago was the size of a tournament that is going to fill before the NFL draft, right? Last year's best ball mania was $10 million and probably could have been bigger <laughs> if we're being if we're being totally honest. And as Matt says, the original tournament actually overlaid by about 10,000 entries. There's 100 and whatever, 100 something thousand entries correct and then it didn't even it didn't even fill all the way. And now we're going to fill uh, I haven't looked at what the big but the big board's probably let's just ballpark it at 50% full. A tournament launches in February. And is going to fill before, you know, before mid-April of the same size <laughs> that, that we had is the biggest tournament. Just a couple short years ago, it really was not very long ago that that, that that was the case. And so that's a pretty, definitely a pretty good indicator of where everything has gone. But I think even more than that, the, which we'll get to some of this beneath, just the fact that now almost everywhere almost everywhere uses best ball and best ball adp best ball strategy all of that as as kind of what is the indicator of fantasy football of course there are plenty of creators and sites and everything out there still you know using whatever espn yahoo and all of that but so much more content, so much more discussion, just even casual discussion is becoming while well, so-and-so is going in the eighth round on underdog, right? And back then people didn't even know what underdog was. And so we have sports and tournament options, right? Rookies and sophomores, sophomores and juniors, the playoff best ball contests. We now have golf. We now have Obviously, baseball, but we'll get playoff baseball. We'll get playoff hockey. You get all these different formats. And, 
you know, not everything feels that this NFL is still king. But we have this ecosystem with multiple sites, probably more to come. Multiple sites, tons of, if you want to play any sport, any format, any entry fee, right? You don't want to spend 25 bucks or more on one team. There's $5 tournaments. There's $3 tournaments. Drafters last year had a $2 tournament. There's something for everybody in any sport at any time. And it's really kind of the the crux of the whole fantasy space now is 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 best ball. And so the one thing that I think people probably don't think necessarily enough about is that we we actually really quickly when we get to the third, I'm skipping ahead a little bit to the to the third, but this the 2023 stuff kind of will all wrap into this conversation. The we hit a point last year at a $10 million prize pool with that amount of entries. And, and also if you play on DraftKings, their $5 Millie maker, you know, had nearly a million entries and a thousand, more than a thousand people, or, or I think it was just call it a thousand people made the week 17 final. Technically the sites can go as absolutely as big as they want on on the, the tournaments and make week 17 as big as possible, make the weeks before it as big as possible. But in terms of the quality of product, if you want to maintain kind of this, like the reason why this product is so great, right? When people complain about the tournament format, the advancing in the playoffs and week 17 kind of deciding everything, the fact that you get randomly assigned into pods, you know, what we call pods, groups in each. You make the playoffs, and it's it's luck of the draw what teams you're up against. You could have an awesome team that would have advanced in many other pods, and you just get bad luck. People complain about those kinds of things, but that's actually that and the Week 17 element. That's specifically what makes this format amazing. There are, of course, other things which we'll get to, but the, the, one of the biggest, the, the sweat and the, you know, anxiety, all the emotions and everything that come from the way this format is structured is part of what makes it so great. And so when you, when you have that element and it is a key part of the entertainment, the joy, everything about your product revolves around this tournament structure, which is why I think, Drafters is an awesome alternative for people that don't that don't love, you know, the playoff round, the playoff structure. But I think that when you are a cumulative scoring format like Drafters is, for anyone that's not familiar, Drafters Fantasy, use promo code Spike, 100% deposit bonus up to $100. You draft a team and you just, that's it, right? There's no... No playoff rounds, score the most points in that tournament point blank period against all, whatever, 100,000 other teams. You draft it, score the most points. <clears throat> the problem with that is that a huge element to best ball, part of why it is the future of fantasy sports, is the sweat of your teams. Having those playoff rounds immediately like enhances the the sweat, the enjoyment out of 
the in-season element of your teams. But even without it, just having week 17, having the 12-team you know, leagues for the first round, first round air quotes, all those different things create an element of the sweat that a cumulative scoring site just cannot, right? I drafted a bunch of teams on drafters this year. Didn't do awesome. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not very good at that format. Didn't do awesome. And I never go back and check the teams. I stopped caring about them very quickly because you pretty much know pretty soon in the season, whether that team has any sort of legs or not. Right. It's just how it goes, which is totally fine. There are a lot of perks to that format too. And I will continue to play it. But in terms of, the excitement level around the product, the the playoff format brings that element. There's two different things about what have, what what makes best ball, and the reason why I know I'm jumping around here, and I didn't intend for this bull, this bulleted list to be perfectly in order, but the reason why it's the future of fantasy sports is you get all the good of fan, like the reason why we all play fantasy sports, you get all of the good stuff, and you don't get the bad stuff in best ball. Right? What's the best part of fantasy sports? Drafting your teams, sweating them out, and hopefully winning money. Right? Those are the three things that we play fantasy football for. No one signs up for a fantasy league, says, God damn, I can't wait to set my waivers for 17 weeks on Tuesday nights. Can't wait. It's what I love. Can't wait to get bullshit trade offers from the random guy in my league who tries to trade me, you know. Zeke for Jonathan Taylor. Can't wait for that. So much fun. Can't wait to decide between, you know, Kyle Pitts and Hunter Henry to start at tight end. <laughs> no, that, that that's not the most fun part for anybody. That's a necessary evil of what fantasy football and fantasy sports have have been. That's That's how they were created, right? But just because it was created that way a long time ago does not mean that that's the best what typically it's not right. There's an evolution of these things. Fantasy sports took a really long time to get from version one of fantasy baseball and fantasy football to this new version of best ball. But we've, we've started to get to the kind of like optimal setup for fantasy sports. So I don't have to do any of the shit. I don't want to do. I don't have to set lineups, which is not fun. I don't have to try to make trades. I don't have to look at trade offers. I don't have to grind waiver wires, especially across multiple leagues. It gives you the ability to draft tons of teams. And if you drafted tons of season-long managed teams and you had to handle the waivers for all of them, it, also, it, it literally just becomes impossible at a certain point. So I can draft hundreds, thousands of teams. And I, I don't have to do any of the bad stuff, but I get to do the good stuff. The draft, everybody... That, The draft is the best part of fantasy sports, right? Whether it's you get together with your buddies, you know, you got your home league with your high school buddies or your college buddies. Y'all get together one time a year at a bar or something like that. Y'all have a little bit too much to drink. Make fun of the guy who, you know, makes a terrible pick. Whatever guy takes Zeke way too early in the home league. You know, I would joke about the one guy who takes the quarterback in the first round, but all the quarterbacks are going so early now, it's not even a good bit anymore. Oh, that's the one guy who took the quarterback in the first round. Well, 
everybody's doing it with three different quarterbacks on the underdog anymore. So time for new jokes. But you get to do the draft. It's, the, it's fun. It's fun to draft against other people. Then you get to enjoy the sweat, right? Why do you play fantasy football? Well, when the games are on on Sunday, it gives me some, I get to root for some stuff. It's a lot of fun. And I'm rooting for it because I can make money. And the best ball tournaments, not only do they allow you to make money, MFL 10s allows you to make money. Your home league allows you to make money. But your home league allows you to turn like 100 bucks into like 500 bucks <laughs> over six or nine months. You still have the time barrier with best ball, but you get to turn $5 right now. Go draft a big board team for $10. It could turn into 200 grand. Pat Kareen drafted a best ball mania team for $25 last year, and it turned into $2 million. <laughs> $2 million. Can't do that in your home league. You know, can't do that in any managed league. So you get all the best elements of fantasy sports with none of the bad. <laughs> so that's why it's a future of fantasy sports. But there are things that we're going to have to start. Um, not necessarily. We're not creating the contest that we have to concern ourselves with as players. But there becomes, with the playoff format, an element of managing those contest sizes because you don't want to ruin those positive elements of your game. The sweat of the playoff format where <clears throat> it's really, it's so funny because it's really so difficult to actually nap. If you have to win your 12 team league or get second, get first or second in your 12 team league, then you advance to the playoffs. You got to beat 11 other teams in the first round and 11 or 17 or 20 other teams in the next round. That's really hard. Just doing that is is people make it seem like oh that's not that hard that's not that big of a deal it's so hard it is so your your most likely outcome is that is not going to happen for any of your team but think about if we all we did was just keep making the tournaments bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger you either have to continue to make the final round in week 17 bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger which really does hurt the week 17 sweat. So I did not make best, the best ball mania finals this past season. I did make them the year before and uh, had a really good team myself and Peter Overs that drafted a team that finished eighth in best ball mania two. <clears throat> I don't know how the team would have done when the final round was almost 500 people like it was this past year compared to a hundred in a, just a little bit over 100 or something like that. Let's just call it 150 people. We'll just say that. 150 people were in the final. You felt like, oh, baby, we are. We got our shot here at a million dollars. And we just so happened to actually kind of have a shot. Shout out Liam Murphy, who actually won it that year. But the bigger you make it, the less, you know, it. it's still a fun sweat, of course. You have a chip in a chair, dude. You got one shot at a million, two million, three million, however, however big the prizes are, right? And obviously, that's just first place. There's more money to be made. But the bigger you make it, the sweat becomes less exciting for the players. And I think that was the case in the Millie Maker, the $5 Millie Maker on DraftKings this year. It was really cool to be able to give yourself a shot at a million dollars. 
drafting $155 teams. So like I would still do it again because I think it's a really just advantageous um, tournament. The competition's really soft. And when are you like in best ball, 750 bucks to get a shot at a million when I'm already going to be drafting a bunch anyway, you can't really beat it. But I, I did advance three teams to the finals on DraftKings in three different tournaments. And I never even really thought about the the $5 Millie Maker team. I made the $5 Millie Maker and two other finals on DraftKings. And I never even like looked at that team. I never, it was actually a pretty good team. It obviously didn't finish well, but it was a pretty good team. And I never even thought about it because that final round was so a thousand, there were a thousand people. And like, that's so big. There's so many teams and there's so much crossover and ownership in the final rounds in best ball tournaments that it just felt like it wasn't even worth thinking about versus one of the finals I made was like 30 people. And another one was, you know, 50 or 60 or something like that. That, that is something right. That you feel like I got as good a shot as anybody, as long as my team's reasonable. And that sweat is such a huge element that when we start to talk about the, the what's going to continue to grow in this whole space and how contest sizes are handled um, is is important. It's super important, and how and how they structure those playoff rounds is super important, right? That is one element that drafters has that's a little better for them. Not something they have to worry about. As long as they can fill the tournaments, they they can keep making them bigger because they don't have to worry about those playoff rounds. Whereas Underdog and DraftKings and any other future companies that get into the space, <clears throat> if they're if they're um, following the playoff format, you have to you have to worry about that. And so it's something for us to keep an eye on here. I think in 2023, I know Underdog is very cognizant, having listened to Hayden and um, Rudman and some of those guys talk about it briefly, but that they're very cognizant of this thing. So I trust that they're they're going to be on it. They're basically always on it. And I think we'll we'll see more tournament options, which we started to see last year because the, the demand just went absolutely nuclear. So I think as players, we should expect more tournaments of varying formats, scoring, structures, whatever underdog is clearly willing to push the needle on that. And frankly, DraftKings this past season, now they didn't do things like rookies and sophomores and super flex and those types of things, but they offered amazing variety of contests from, like I said, down to spending just $5 for a shot at a million. You know, they always have like low stakes, 20 max tournaments that like mid stakes, pretty large tournaments with 250 or so thousand dollars to first place. They had high stakes. They had single entries. They had, it was essentially a small version of their DFS product, right? Any, any buy-in level, any type of tournament, three max, 20 max, single entry, 150 max, high stakes, low stakes, mid stakes, everything was available for you on DraftKings. And I thought it was the best offering, which makes sense. DraftKings should be the best in terms of the contest offerings. They've been doing this as a business for a long time in the DFS streets and probably made lots of errors along the way to figure out um, 
contest offerings in DFS. So they should have it in best ball, but the, they really crushed it. And I suspect they will, they will do really well again this year in terms of the contest offerings. But I think that's what we're going to start to see across the whole space is that kind of thing in terms of contest testing. So like if you're thinking, well, they were able to fill best ball mania with 10 million, 2 million first, the industry's getting bigger. Let's let's go 20 million and 4 million to first or 5 million to first. And it's like, I don't think you actually want that. It sounds cool. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I get a shot at that many millions. But like, you would still play if it was two million again to first, to first place. I don't think that it's going to change URI whether it's two million or three million to to first place, and it will change for all of us if we drastically change the what happens in those playoff rounds because it really is that critical because of the 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 things we mentioned before. Let me hit a couple questions and comments. And then um, I want to hit on a, a couple other things, and then we'll we'll kind of bounce back and forth between some of your questions and comments. I have some from the Discord as well that I can um, pull up. And let's see here. Mark asked, why do you think FanDuel didn't get into best ball? So it's an excellent question. Um, they do offer best ball, but it is only uh, like cash games, sit and goes. The MFL 10 Essentially, you can draft and you draft against just those 11 other people, right? For whatever entry fee you put in, top three make money. You know, the very typical fantasy football thing, except um, it's best ball. I have zero answer as to why they didn't get into best ball, but I don't think I have an answer as to why DraftKings are, <laughs> as to why FanDuel does much of what they do. Um, I do enjoy their sports betting product. Maybe the best out of all of them, but the well, the decisions and everything they made in DFS and and the lack of best ball makes no sense to me. Especially considering they were the ones that bought draft. Um, like I said, that's been a lot of it's been a lot of Fanduel. Um, I actually started DFS on Fanduel. I think a lot of people started their DFS like career on on Fanduel, and I basically haven't played it for years now. You know, I dabble here and there in NFL or whatever, but. I rarely, rarely, rarely play. I did try NBA for a stretch on FanDuel. But anyway, I can't make heads or tails of exactly what uh, what FanDuel is trying to do. Rodney says, flatter payout structures would be nice. A decent player should at least be able to break even. So a couple, part, couple parts to this. I think generally the payout structures are pretty good. Across best ball, you're going to get 20, let's just call it 20% to first on most. You're going to get 150% of your entry to second at a minimum, which is less than ideal. Generally, I would prefer, you know, double your money if you, if you cash. Um, and I think that the payout structures are, industry standard particularly on underdog generally what i will say um and i think that they're very aware of this i'm not trying to beat a dead horse or 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 anything like that with with underdog i think that the for best ball mania specifically their payout structure was really shit because um they did the one they took one million dollars out of the prize pool and gave it to the regular season 
champion. I don't have a problem with taking money out of the prize pool and giving it to regular season um, winners, you know, having a, a regular season leaderboard and, you know, take, take some money out of that and, and give it to whatever the top, top 50, top hundred, top, what, top 10, I don't know, whatever. But I think um, probably because of technical limit limitations, they had to do so, kind of a half measure. They were trying to make it not 100% focused on like week 17 and, and the playoffs, which I think was uh, a little misguided. I think that um, that's what really hurt the, the, the payout structures for best ball mania was taking the 1 million out and giving it to the regular season champ. I, but I, I think that they were, they're like, trying to do the right thing so you can't really get upset the whole goal was a good goal was to try to appease everyone and make the experience better for everyone i just think that the way that it happened like i said probably because of technical limitations on the back end um created a suboptimal solution and so i think that they're aware of that and so either it won't happen or it'll be a better a better format this year that will help with this play payout structure DraftKings, you're gonna have to deal a little bit here and there with uh the occasional, uh, I think one of their five dollar tournaments was um, like three hundred grand or something like that, and a hundred to first place. It's what they do. Um, they will tell you that uh, the top prize is m m way more of what matters to uh, users, based on lots and lots of research. I have spoken with them several times because even though I disagree. Um, that's what their research tells them. That's what their data tells them. And they certainly have a lot more of both of those things than me. But you're going to get that a little bit on DraftKings. But generally, their best ball uh, tournaments payout structures are pretty fine, too, I think. So I, I would say um, there's definite improvements in terms of play out payout structures across the board that, that can happen. But I think they're really minor tweaks that would need to be need to be made. There's not anything where you're just like, I guess maybe other than that, the the million to to the regular season first first prize I guess like there's not a lot in terms of the payout structures that I'm personally worried about uh, that impact the kind of community as a whole. Um, do, do, do. <laughs> Grant says you don't love doing waivers twenty four seven, dude. I get burnt out drafting the teams. If I had to if I had to draft the teams and then man it like I don't. I, I never had like that many in because uh, I've always hated the the waiver and the in season management aspect of things, especially once D like DFS already ruined season long stuff for me. Um, I play in very few season long leagues, and I'll forget to set my lineups, and I'll forget to do waivers with like three teams, and they're like my long you know like a dynasty home league I've had since I was in high school. Uh, I can't manage those plus DFS and everything else. I, there's no way I, if I, if I was drafting in the volume that I do with best ball, like uh, no way, absolutely uh, no chance. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Matt brings up a good point in terms of the playoff rounds and everything. I, I think that this is a great comment in terms of the subject of what we're talking about here, because Matt says at some point they're going to have to add an additional playoff round by weeks be damned. And I don't, and I'm not, I don't know if they'll have to add an additional playoff round. I mean, if they want to keep expanding individual tournaments, a change this stark will have to happen a hundred percent. 
or something like this would have to happen. But this is whether this specific example happens. This is the type of thing that is like totally on the table for coming soon. Probably not this year. I don't know, but coming like completely changing basically the the game of best ball that we know as of right now because when we're talking about the future if growth continues which i do believe i I, like i know we talk how crazy the growth has been over the first couple of years that's just because of how fast it happened i don't think we're anywhere near close to, to to being done here like this is definitely the early days of dfs when it was meteoric but continued and you know it took eight to 10 years for DFS to kind of level out. And now it would probably won't take that long for best ball, but also I think that the, the um, potential user base, you know, um, the customer segment for best ball is way bigger than DFS. Like there's just not as many people that want to go in and deal with the salary cap thing. It's fun, whatever, you know, you can make a team sitting on the toilet or whatever, but you can also draft the best ball team sitting on the toilet and everybody knows how to do a snake draft. There's literally like no barrier to entry knowledge wise, you know, so many people have played fantasy football or fantasy baseball or whatever. And you're just doing that. You're just doing that. So, um, I think that the growth is just going to continue. And so eventually, yes, as Matt says, they're going to have to figure something, something out. I don't have, I definitely don't have the, um, I don't have the solution. I have plenty of ideas just like Matt's, but um, that's for another day. One thing I did want to talk about that um, is interesting because we also see a particular underdog with their battle Royale um contests as a person who couldn't possibly be more bullish on best ball and is sitting here telling you that oh you think that this growth over the last couple of years is big just wait for a couple more years like that's basically what i'm sitting here saying i feel the opposite about the battle royale and um daily contests and stuff i think that they serve their purpose and they're a little bit fun or whatever but um that's not something i would bet on um being very big, uh, I think it it serves a purpose for the sites, and I know some people really like it, but there's just too many barriers to a drafting format in a, on a daily or weekly cycle. You just physically can't fill these things, and one human can't physically draft that many teams especially when you already are doing best ball or whatever. Every draft, it takes X amount of time. You know, you're drafting six to whatever players every single week. And you want to do a hundred of those. And you, and, and like right now it's decent money for like early season in the NFL, but it's for the amount of time spent um, and there's just no way, like in best ball, we have ideas like Matt had for, okay, when we start to run into these issues in best ball, here are some solutions we can come up with. There is no way to create more time during the week. There is no real way to shorten those drafts for people. There are limitations to the daily and weekly games that just don't exist in, in best ball. And there's just such a ceiling, like a capped ceiling on those games that um, I feel like there's totally fine to offer those. I mean, DraftKings 
uh, offers snake draft tournaments and stuff to, I don't even know if they're tournaments, but they offer snake draft contests too, but they never really became anything. Um, and you know, if, if that, that's not something new, I know in my time I've been at, you know, Rotor Grinders Better Collective, our company for quite a while now. And I remember, I forget who it was, man, I'm, I don't, I probably, if I remember, I probably don't even know if I'm supposed to say, but somebody created uh, like a snake draft DFS game <clears throat> before underdog existed. And um, it was, it was actually like the, we got to test it and the user experience was like awesome, like really, really good. And they had like auction. They had, it was basically battle Royale with different versions of snake drafts and they had auctions and stuff like that. It was actually really cool and really fun, but it never became of anything because of these barriers. And so um, I think it's a good thing for the sites to offer. It's a good, the more options we have as players, the better, but it's, uh, there's just not as much upside. So selfishly, you know, from my perspective and from spike weeks perspective, it's just not really something I, I, I spend some time investing my time and our company time and everything like that and hackers time and, um, looking into, to some of those, but it's just, um, it doesn't make sense for us at spike week to do it. And, um, I don't, I, I with what is going to become of best ball, we just want to be all in on that. So it's kind of, a me working that in because we're not going to be going crazy supporting those games and, uh, uh, uh half-ass apology to anybody that you know really wants us to dive into the battle royale spaces but um just a thought while we're talking about the space as a whole and then really quickly before we'll polish up with a bunch of questions and comments from you guys over the last 10 or 15 minutes i did want to hit the i have creators and pickaxes on here because um i think that uh, obviously selfishly that this is where I lie. This is where Spike Week lies in the best ball landscape as a creator or a pickaxe company. And I I do think a lot of the times it can be a bit understated the impact of what the creators, influencers, right? I'm not an influencer, but there are plenty of big names and popular guys on YouTube or on, you know, dominating Google, um, those types of things. Uh, big on Twitter, whatever, and just companies building things that help make this ecosystem of best ball and everything better. And I think that's another reason why I'm continuing to be more bullish on this space is that a few years ago, when I had this idea to start Spike Week, like <clears throat> basically no one was doing best ball content in the first place. Um, and if if anybody was, talking about best ball mania or something like that. It was, we have a season long fantasy football site and we're just going to throw underdog stuff in there. And I actually think that's, that was a little and still is part of a problem in content creation really across the whole space. And that um, not that spike week is nailing everything by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Cause we're certainly not, but the, the game of best ball has a just kind of grown <laughs> really like grown past uh, just regular managed stuff. I'm not saying there are more people playing best ball than managed leagues, but in terms of uh, uh, the value, really, it's absolutely insane. And it is 
almost impossible to overstate how different the games are. And yet everyone just treats it like fantasy football. And again, I don't have all of these answers, but it's almost as simple as players who we view to be good or bad or just mediocre or whatever. We still view them through the lens that we've always viewed them in the fantasy football landscape, right? He was drafted as the RB 14 and he finished as the RB seven, right? In like total points or even points per game or whatever. But those are, those are descriptive. I did, you know, descriptive um, descriptions of the players that isn't really, it's not apples to apples to their impact in, in best ball. A, we know that the playoffs and week 17 in the playoff on the playoff format sites, like the value of big games there so far outweighs, like you could average X points per game. I mean, look at Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was the best pick in fantasy for the entire season. And so, yes, there is, of course, value in him helping you get to the playoffs. But he didn't help you in the playoff rounds. He didn't do anything for you in the uh, in the playoff rounds. And so it's like, how valuable was he really? Of course, he was valuable given where he went in drafts. But how are we weighing the regular season performance? Like Mike Evans was a what if we looked back <clears throat> and there will be articles on this. Mike Evans was a was a bust in 2022 fantasy football. And then through the old way of thinking, he was. <laughs> he was going in the second round. I'm sure there's tons of clips of me saying that's an absurd price for Mike Evans. I'm not paying it. Won't do it. People are idiots. You guys are idiots for drafting Mike Evans in the second round, probably. Dumber than me taking Gabe Davis and Kyle Pitts. Idiots. Mike Evans won people lots of money in Week 17 because Week 17 performances – are outweigh the rest of the season so dramatically in best ball. But the, the way that, and I, this happens to me too. I'm just as guilty as anybody. The way that we evaluate the players is not specific to best ball because we say, Oh, well, you can't just look at week 17. No, of course not. But we have to evaluate players based on the game that we're playing. And I think that in terms of the content creation side of things, we haven't gotten there yet. We're working on it. People are becoming more aware of it, but there's no, there's no real, and this is good for all of us because clearly the game has not been figured out and I don't really know that it can be figured out, but like, it is not as simple as just like figuring out who the best, right? The best pick by ADP values. Like Mike Evans was a horrible ADP value. Do I wish I had him on my teams that made the finals? You bet your ass. Tom Brady was, was garbage. Last year, QB1, week 17, blew up the slate. You know, those things matter. And so um, I think we're still so early. God damn it, second time I used that. We're still so early in the content creation space. And we're really early in terms of tools. Um, I have a comment from somebody in Discord that I'll pull up in a second. But it ties into this, that everybody is... Look, even when we have some tools, it will be like, I have the data from Best Ball Mania last year. Let's figure out what's the optimal roster construction, right? Uh, how many of each position should I take? When should I take them? Blah, blah, blah. Because that's what won last year, right? 
That's the type of tool that's out there now. And I'm not saying it's not helpful to look at that. It's fine. Look at what worked last year. Look at what didn't work. Look more importantly, probably look at what people were doing and weren't doing, et cetera. But like, <laughs> unless what really worked well last year projects to work well again this year, and it's being underutilized by our opponents, just because it won last year is like kind of meaningless. What it usually means is that if something has been successful in la last year or in recent years, people are probably going to overdo it in a new landscape like this. Once it becomes mature, like DFS is mature now, there's, there's a, a thing that's, you know, used to be a thing that it would be point chasing. That's what people would call it, right? So the guy had a big week six in week seven, he doesn't actually project very well, but because he had a big game last week, people would chase those points and play him again way more than they should. That hasn't been a thing for a very long time, but it was once upon a time. In, in best ball, we, we, we are still in the era of point chasing. Wait, robust? Somebody won with robust running back last year? Somebody won with an RB, RB start? Or somebody won with this you know late-round quarterback or whatever? It's like, that's it. I got to do that. Like, it's not really how it works. And so that's the, but that's the type of like tool and uh, um, content that's still pretty prevalent right now. And so, like I said, we're early in that whole space. And I think that's, again, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think uh, I know that there are some people in the chat right now um, that are in the content space and everything. And obviously I talked to tons of other people that are creating content and everything. There's a building tools and smart content is going to be huge for the space. And we'll get there here at spike week. And I know other people will as well, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be, it's going to be important. It's going to be big for the continued growth. That, that's how it always works. Right. It doesn't mean that underdog and these sites wouldn't get big regardless, but having the roto grinders and stochastics and run pure and establish the run and all of these roto viz and <clears throat> excuse me, everybody creating content and building tools and allowing people to play these games more easily and more intelligently is important for the ecosystem. And we definitely don't have that now. You know, we have a lot more content now around best ball, like written content and YouTube streams and stuff, but we're so far from where we're eventually going to get to that. Uh, it's important. So if you're creating content, keep at it, man. You're important. Um, I did just want to hit the one comment because it was it was tied to that. I don't think I have to even elaborate on too much. But Jake in the Discord says, "I love the conversations around the tunnel vision in quotes from the prior year." In um, parentheses, trends that happened that may be more one-off in nature that the field picks up on and follows, and how you can divert away from that tunnel vision to take a different path. Each season brings these nuanced things that stick in people's minds like wins or losses, and it's easy to focus on one season of results. But talking about the things that we can do differently than a majority of the field is a big attraction for me personally. I totally agree. Nailed it. Couldn't really say it much better than myself. And obviously, you're not just being different for different sake, which is actually what you will see a lot. People will say, well, nobody's doing this. But just because no one's doing it doesn't mean that it's plus EV either. 
just because other people are doing it doesn't mean it's plus EV. And just because other people aren't doing it doesn't mean it's plus EV, right? You have to figure out the are people doing it enough or too much? Is it actually is it actually valuable as a standalone, right? It has to be good whether it projects well or or you know, those kinds of things standalone by itself. And then you start to weigh in what are what are our opponents doing. Yesterday we had a show kind of talking through uh big board strategy and you know early draft strategy on drafters or or wherever you're playing early best ball and um example from that was in my opinion late round quarterback and late round tight end it's something that the field is not doing enough based on xyz won't go into it again but it's one example of in terms of draft strategy here we're already kind of getting to this point of People are definitely intelligently putting together teams. If you get into a draft on underdog, it's not like it's not like there's three or four people drafting six quarterbacks and and going zero RB but only taking three running backs or just you know literally drafting teams that are dead and paying the rake. That pretty much every team in your draft on on average might have one or something like that. That's just dead. Pretty much every team is good enough to win and just we're all flipping coins on which players are the best ones to have. Right. And which players stay healthy. And so these kinds of draft strategy things are the things we should be talking about. It should be from the beginning, but you're not just going to win in a snake draft game by having the best projections. You're not just going to win by structuring your teams in a smart way. And you're not just going to win by having, you know, the best player takes. Sorry to tell you to everybody. That's groundbreaking news because everybody thinks they can just pick better players. Or God forbid, we're during combine season right now. Everybody, everybody is a fucking GM and a scout, myself included. Um, those kinds of strategies, like if there's probably anything to take away from this in terms of our play, your play, it is the strategies that we should focus on are what can we do that is advantageous and our opponents are not doing right. Like we know that late round quarterback has been advantageous for a long time. And in this year in particular, there are lots of appealing late round quarterbacks Four rookies might go in the first round and they're all cheap. There's some free agent quarterbacks going cheap because we don't know where they're going to land yet. Some maybe bounce back veterans, Mac Jones and such going late. All these guys that are like totally reasonable and all, and all the good quarterbacks are more expensive than they have ever been like in our lives. So what's a good way to take advantage of our opponents in that type of a situation, whether it has nothing to do with whether elite quarterback is good. I know it is. <laughs> if I could have if if I could have Jalen Hurts or whatever on every single team and still be able to get an advantageous position against my opponents, sure. I don't really think that that exists given the quarterback pricing. I think that the most advantageous thing to do is to go the opposite direction. Right? But if in years past, which has been the case, when 
the elite quarterbacks are going from the fifth to the ninth round. This is a different ball game, right? I don't have to spend a second round pick to get elite production. I can spend a sixth round pick to get elite production. We already know the running backs are, it's the running back dead zone. Tight ends are useless there, right? So it, it fit perfectly for like three years now. That has been the case, but that that's the, it was that way for three years. It does not mean it's that way now. When you start to factor in pricing, the actual players in the player pool, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the kinds of things that we should be talking about. We definitely need this. Also, if you watched the show yesterday, this is a, 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 a teaser into what our player selection tool is going to be. The coin flip, the coin flip tool. This is definitely true. Graham says, uh, I only hear, I only listen here to know what players to avoid i.e. MVS, Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance, Darrington Evans. I got more. I got more in the bag. Um, oh, yeah. Don't, li- don't listen to some of those. Definitely don't listen to some of those. Good take from the Lazy Fish Breeder. That's a, that's, I'll, I'll keep my comments to myself on the, the name. Uh, I took Desmond Ritter at 240th as my fourth late-round QB last night. I don't think that draft is the one that, that will win. See I, see, I like that. I thought that that sounds appealing to me. Like, dude, if you have, like, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and Desmond Ritter and Mac Jones or something, that's a – I think you probably had a good draft. You know, obviously, we need to see the rest of the team. But those are my – my kinds of things, yeah. Peng says, uh, I drafted 100% Alvin Kamara and 100% KJ Hamler because it won the first the first BBM. Do it every year. So this year it's uh, Brady, right? Yeah. Got to draft the retire. Got to got to draft Brady and hope he comes back because he won. He won Pat two million dollars last year. Um, all right, let me get rid of this Sc- screen share. Hit any of these um, a fair question or comment from Alex. I still think snake draft with salaries would be a game changer. Like in the NBA, are you taking the 4k, excuse me, eight X projected value? Are you taking Giannis? Yeah, I think that's. So what I will say, I think that that game sounds more interesting. I think that there's an inherent uh, difficult path to large scale user adoption in that format, we'd get, we'd get some, right. People are are used to DFS and everything now, but there's a little bit more barrier to entry because just right. The more, the more layers you add to the game, it just is more difficult for new people, casual people to pop in. And you haven't made anything. You haven't took away any of the current barriers to growth for that product, which is really time mostly, and so you like it, you didn't make it easier for a person to draft more teams. You actually probably made it harder. You, you, know, you didn't necessarily make it harder. It's still technically the same amount of time, but you added a layer of thinking that has to do has to happen there. And you might have made the pool of potential users smaller, which now makes it more difficult to fill drafts. We know that being able to fill drafts is the chicken or the egg. In best ball, being able to fill drafts is the single most chicken or the egg problem I can remember in my life. In order for your products to continue to grow, you need to be able to have people there drafting at all times and fill the drafts quickly enough so that people don't, right? If I, if I go in 
to my app. This is shit. Eight more. I need eight more people to fill this draft. I might wait a little bit and see how it goes. But if I come back in five or ten minutes and it's six more remaining, I'm just going to back out of the draft and say, fuck it. I don't, I don't want to draft anymore. But if you hop in and it's eight more and you're like, okay, let me run to the restroom or get a drink or whatever. Come back two minutes later and it's three more or two more. You're like, okay, cool. This is fine. I can wait a minute and I'm good. You have to be able to fill the drafts. But in order to fill the drafts, you got to have the people. And so it's like, you know, it's a total, it's a, a total chicken or the egg with the filling of the drafts. But it's, it's one of the most important parts that, uh, that happened. This is the other thing with the week. I'm not trying to sit here and turn this into the, this is a best ball conversation. I'm not trying to turn this into the weekly game thing, but Peng says auction would be forever and allow people to rig it easier. Um, it definitely takes, definitely would take too long. The thing already takes too long with like 40 picks or whatever it is in every, in every draft. And, um, um, oh, I thought you were talking about weekly. Sorry, you guys are talking about best ball. But anyway, on the but on the week on the weekly thing because it, it made me think about it. There's just so many issues with terms of rigging. Like the level of oversight you have to have into the the daily games is really stark, particularly in um, NBA. A little bit in NFL, a little bit in baseball, but particularly in NBA where projection is so important. Right? If Giannis is the best player and should go one one in every draft. And people work together to get the fifth pick Giannis or, you know, I'm just making something up, but there's just so many easy ways to make little things like that. And they make a huge difference in the daily games in best ball. Like you're drafting 20 players. It's over the course of an entire season. Like it's not really that big, but that's the big difference between like DFS and best ball which in turn makes the daily and weekly games so much different than best ball is that it's so much easier to like project one game, one slate. The injury risk is also lower for one game, one slate on those players. So there's more certainty in terms of the production. We know the rates. We know the amount of playing time. There's always variance. It's humans getting foul trouble. You miss shots. You drop a touchdown, whatever, you know, those things, those things of course happen, but it, it's just the smaller you make the sample, the easier it is to project or simulate if you want to run Sims or whatever. This is why, like, again, best ball is like God's game because people can come in and try to sim NFL seasons all they want. You, you cannot effectively sim a best ball season or project a best ball season like you can a DFS slate. So if people think, oh, well, look, they solved DFS, they can come in and solve best ball. It's not, it's just not, it's just not accurate. You absolutely cannot. I'm not saying that you can't bring these types of solutions and improve your play, but anybody could sim an NFL season and the results are so highly variant. Like the, an, an entire NFL season, 17 games, 18 weeks is so much chaos. It's so much chaos. Injuries, in, injuries being the key thing, but just the, the now you're extrapolating single game variance and multiplying it by 17 excuse me it's it's absurd um so i definitely don't worry about about that um last couple last couple of questions slash comments yeah going back to the sizing and everything matt mentioned if they keep bbm the same size 
might have to drop the max entries to 100 to allow for new maxers and not have the <laughs> not have the tourney fill well before the season. Yeah, I'll be interested to see the rate at which some of these things fill. Graham says an interesting contest would be four week pods, but the week 17 final feel like they can change up ways they run the contest. I totally agree. I don't think they need to mess with anything just yet, but depending upon how, how, uh, you know, forward they want to push this thing in terms of like best ball mania sizing or on DraftKings, their millimaker sizing or whatever, we'll have to start to think about like, you just don't want a 2000 team final, you know, or even like, the DraftKings one was already too big at a thousand, in my opinion, in terms of the experience. I know some people thought that this year's best ball mania finals, like I said, with 400 and 470, I think it was, uh, with 470 people was too much. It wasn't as fun of a sweat. Um, and so I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not commenting. I didn't make it. So, uh, I don't know, but I do know that from a sweat perspective, the smaller you may, you may, you can make the final with your your one or two or whatever bullets, um, it's more fun. Just is. Uh, um, this is, I, I should have hit on this, and I apologize. Mark says, "Can any other sports be successful for best ball?" I did mean to talk about this. Or will the NFL always just crush every other sport for player dollars? So NFL will always crush every other sport for player dollars. That's just a fact. Um, uh, that it, it does in all aspects of fantasy, it, this isn't just a best ball issue. The NFL's king, at least in, you know, obviously in this country, other sports are super po- like basketball, super popular in terms of like TV viewership and stuff. And, and basketball, the NBA DFS has gotten, has gotten big, but like college football is wildly popular. Right. And there are legality issues. Fewer States can play college football DFS, but like college football DFS is like a, I mean, not even a penny compared to a dollar of, of NFL. Like, it's nothing um, relative to NFL DFS. NFL DFS is just king. So NFL best ball will always be king. People prefer it. People prefer the weekly nature of the NFL um, for fantasy. You know, it's, it's more fun. To, it's easier to follow, easier to sweat than the daily games. And I don't mean daily games in terms of um, best ball. I mean, like... It's once a week. I only like I pretty much can really easily know where my teams stand. You know, which did I do well that week based on just a couple of players, right? It's really easy to follow. Baseball, they, they're playing every day. Basketball, they're playing every day for six months. So it's the sweat isn't as good, you know. And then for both of those, <clears throat> you obviously have injuries and stuff like that, and and resting and tanking risk in the NFL just a little less. Versus in the NBA and baseball, you know, the they could definitely make the best ball season shorter, which they probably should do for both of them, like quite a bit shorter, actually, I think, because you really want to avoid this time of the year for that. That would be particularly for the NBA. I'm thinking about it freshly because we're going through it right now. But players are resting the whole season. But once you reach this point in the year, there's just so many guys missing games. I mean, guys are going to get hurt, like LeBron hurt. Um, but guys are going to rest. Kawhi Leonard is resting again tonight, right, on a back-to-back. Um, uh, teams are tanking. Teams are going to rest players. <clears throat> and not even just, like, rest players. You'll just get guys like, ah, you know, Keldon Johnson, you're just going to play 24 minutes tonight because we're the Spurs and we're tanking for a victor. The inherent nature of those two sports are never going to make them as popular, but I, I do believe 
I do believe there's like a lot of growth that's going to come. They just haven't been a priority for like underdogs specifically. I'm um, obviously not DraftKings. Best ball isn't a priority for DraftKings. But if we can ever get to the point where um, we can fine tune those games a little bit and promote them, I, th- I think that NBA and MLB specifically, um, I think that there's a chance for golf too, although the PGA Tour is kind of fucking that up uh, right now. But I think NBA and MLB have a, have a, have a shot to be uh, pretty significant in the, the fantasy sports landscape. Because, I mean, think about that all the per- like the same things we talked about earlier in terms of why best ball over a managed league are like heightened in basketball and baseball. Like, dude, I don't want to set my lineup every day. I don't even want to set my lineup every week in fantasy. But for six months, I got to set my lineup every week for six months for this fantasy baseball team, and I'm going to be probably be out of the race halfway through. Same thing with NBA. Like, I got to set my lineup every day for six months. And I and wait, I could I might have to do waivers every night. <laughs> no, thank you. Not interested. You know, I play in two NBA season long leagues. I'm going to cut it back to one for next year. Uh, and I just can't, I mean, I can't do it. I can't do it. So now extrapolate the perks of not having to set your lineup, not having to do waivers, and it's every day for six months instead of just once a week for 17 weeks. But um, they're just a little less popular, obviously, but I think that you're still going to get the fun of the draft and all the perks of not having to do the things you don't want to do for fantasy. So I do think that uh, there's actually quite a bit of upside in those. That's why we will be doing uh, uh, NBA and MLB and golf particularly here on spike week because forever, because um, I'm definitely bullish, definitely bullish on it. Yeah. NFL, NFL pays the bills, but there's a lot of upside in those, those other uh, tournaments for sure. Uh, Then the other thing Tony mentions uh, golf and uh, I'm pretty bullish on golf. Like I said, we need the PGA tour and this whole live thing to play nice, but I think that it's a fun, really fun format that underdog has put out there so far. I think there's a lot of upside in golf, best ball and the playoff stuff in general. I mean, good Lord. What we saw with NFL playoff best ball is out of control. Absolutely out of control. Uh, how many tournaments, how much money got put up for, for uh, the NFL playoff best ball. I prefer NBA playoff best ball. It's probably my favorite format of of best ball. And I'm not sure it's close because it is this combination between you do have to do some level of team analysis and like, you know, figuring out the scenarios that can play out in the playoffs. But then it's not just one game. There's the level of variance of a series. Right. And so you have you have all these different variables to take into account from a strategy perspective. Um, all the things we have to worry about in best ball with ADP and and player projection and all that kind of correlation to worry about all of those things in this. And then you get all these extra added elements of multiple rounds with series, not just a single game like any NFL. We can do the thing with what if he's the guy you need. Right. The what if he's the guy you need in NBA is a very different conversation because of the series thing. And I just think adding in those little elements is, uh, is a, ton, is a ton of fun. Th- this is one of the things to, to get, to be able to wrap on 
Alex says NBA best ball. This is a small exaggeration, but not by that much. NBA best ball where James Wisen is now more impactful than some healthy second round picks. That's I'm not saying you want to remove that because this also exists in NFL best ball. There are late round Rashad Penny and Amon Rossane Brown were more valuable than shit. Basically everybody in the first two rounds two years ago. And that's just fantasy. And I think that that's okay. But in NBA, it happens too much from a, like, it's not just normal variants that people can deal with, right? My guy got hurt, backup running back came in. Kind of just a part of the game. Not saying that's right or wrong, but that's how we view it as just kind of a part of the game. In NBA, the Pistons are literally trying to lose and they're going to play, you know, this young backup guy. And the guy that you drafted that's Jalen Duran or whatever, right, is screwed because they're just going to randomly rest him. Like, it would be one thing to be like, ah, he's underperforming because of some variance or whatever. That's fine. I'm not saying that this is what's happening with Duran, but this is what happens. And it's not even like the game is the game. We have to play the game within the rules. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter what the rules are. We're all playing the same game. We're all playing by the same rules against other humans you can figure out how to how to find an edge within that but if it's not enjoyable if the if the game is decided in the point of the season where it's the least fun and all the good players are sitting out it doesn't make the game very fun and it's not going to grow that way right so we have to find that blend of it's not about people will say well that's not fair people say that in nfl basketball it's not fair that i had a good team that got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs what's fair it's absolutely fair because we're all playing by the same rules but it's just not very fun (laughs) when it happens to you and so you have to find this blend of it needs to be best for the ecosystem which involves the fun and the sweat factor but it also it obviously needs to be fair um so you're kind of combining all those elements definitely agree. I think the playoff best ball NBA best ball contests are coming soon. This is a lot of fun. I did not expect to go for this long. So I appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, have a wonderful weekend. I'm headed to the last St. Louis university basketball game tonight. What a disappointing season about as disappointing as my NFL best ball season. It has been, I'm, we're going to kick off a good weekend here in a little while. You guys have a wonderful weekend. I have, I've been trying to get through tons and tons and tons of content. Already started the initial NBA playoff best ball content. We got MLB best ball content. MLB best ball rankings are already up. And we got, which I need to already start adjusting for spring training injuries. Uh, But we got MLB best ball strategy type content coming up both on YouTube and on the website. Uh, at obviously tons of NFL stuff, rookie rankings, rankings, updates, strategy pieces. So, so, so much more. We are in the grind. We are in the thick of it already for best ball across tons of different sports. And of course, if you are not, there is a link in the description to the discord, the spike week discord. It is 100% free and where all the sickos, all the best ball sickos are hanging out. You want to talk NBA. You want to talk golf. You want to talk playoff NBA. You want to talk, the big board. You want to talk drafters. We got spaces and channels for every single kind of best ball conversation, 24, seven, three So anyway, guys have a wonderful weekend. I will catch you guys soon.